Brace yourselves. We're going off bulletin this Sunday. Okay. I know in the bulletin it says that we should be in 1 Corinthians, and we should be. We're, We're moving through 1 Corinthians this summer. But we're going to veer off of that this Sunday, and instead I want to share something with you from the book of Colossians. So go ahead and be finding the book of Colossians in your Bibles, and I'll explain why we're not going to be in 1 Corinthians this Sunday. One of the reasons I like to preach through books of the Bible is that it takes you through the whole counsel of God's Word, some of which is easier to understand than others. Entering into this uh, text that I was going to preach on this Sunday, it's Pretty straightforward text until you get to this one paragraph right in the middle of it that is really kind of shocking, kind of difficult. You can look it up later and see what I'm talking about. But I was not able to get to a place where I felt confident in my understanding of it to preach it before I left for vacation. And I didn't want to take a bag full of commentaries to vacation and spend the whole week uh, wrestling with it. Uh, that would be stressful, and this vacation was not meant to be stressful. So I decided to set that aside and give myself another week to make sure that I'm capable of doing a good job with that text for you next Sunday. And this Sunday, what I'd like to do is share with you a couple of observations about prayer from the book of Colossians. This comes from my personal reading through the Scripture. This is where I'm at right now. Actually, I just finished the book of Colossians, but... Some things that the Lord has been teaching me about prayer and that I've been thinking about that I'd like to share with you. The book of Colossians is a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in this small city called Colossae. And it seems as if there was some false teaching making its way into that church, that group of Christians. And this false teaching was belittling Jesus Christ in those people's understanding, their belief in their hearts. And so Paul wrote this letter to rebiggin Jesus, if I could coin a phrase, to to hold Jesus up and say, no, Jesus is glorious in ways that you seem to be forgetting. So the book is really rich with theology about who Jesus is, who we are as Christians in him. It's not really a book about prayer specifically, but Prayer sort of pervades the book. It starts and ends on a note about prayer. And uh, I have learned a lot about prayer from the book, and that's that's what I'm going to share with you. This isn't a guilt sermon. I know you don't pray like you should. You know that I don't pray like I should. We as Christians have access to riches in prayer that we are uh, just skimming the surface of. And many sermons on prayer feel like guilt sermons. You should be doing better. Why aren't you praying more? That's not what this is going to be. I'm hoping this will be helpful and encouraging. It has been for me, uh, it has it's given me a, a grander vision for what my relationship with God in prayer can be and can look like. And I hope that's what it'll be for you also. So it's more of a we can pray like this, not a we should pray like this, although the should is implied. But it's more of a we can. So let's pray, and then I've just got three observations I want to share with you. Maybe it will help you like it's helped me. you pray with me? Father, I'm going to preach on prayer. And uh, this is just such a challenge for us. But you know all about it. You You told us that Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are and experienced all of our weaknesses. And so I appreciate 
your patience toward us in this. Uh, Often, as long as some of us have been Christians, we have to confess that in many ways we're still like babies in our relationship with you. But we want to mature. We want to grow and move forward. And this morning specifically, we ask if you would please help us move forward together in prayer, in our practices and understanding and desire for prayer, for talking to you in prayer. Please help us. Please help me to make your word plain. Let this be a fruitful time for your people now. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first observation that I'll offer to you is that we can thank God for deeper blessings. We can thank God for deeper blessings than we tend to thank God for in our praying. So the letter practically begins on a note about prayer. In verse 3 of chapter 1, Paul, getting his letter going to these Christians, he wrote, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We are always thankful toward God for you when we pray for you. And then in the verses that follow, he lays out some of the things that he's grateful for, that he thanks God for in relation to these people. Before we read that, think about your prayer life. Just think about your prayers, maybe from the last hour, maybe you've had some occasion to pray while we've been together. Think about the last 24 hours, your prayer life, the last week or so. Just try to remember, it's hard to remember the past even just a couple days ago, but just try to remember, what have I been praying about? Have I been thanking God for anything? And if so, what have I been thanking God for? Now, I wouldn't be shocked if some of you, if you're really honest, mainly your prayers have been before meals, and that's about it. We do have a lot of habits as Christians as and even as uh, churchy Americans even, of praying before we eat a meal together. And so thank you for this food. Please bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. That's a phrase you hear a lot in the pre-meal prayer. Uh, bless the hands that prepared it. Awesome prayer. Absolutely keep that up. My point here, though, from this text that we're about to read is there are unfathomable depths of blessings that we are swimming around in every day that we can be grateful for and can fuel our prayers to God. We can be thankful for deeper blessings than we often realize and think about. So with your thankful prayers in mind, now keep that in there, and we're going to read what Paul is thankful for, and we'll kind of compare and contrast. So let's read together. We'll start at verse 3 where we already began. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all the saints. So here's part of what he's grateful for, their faith in Christ Jesus and the love that he sees that they have for all the saints. By the way, that's you, that's all the Christians. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So here's another reason he's grateful the hope laid up for these people in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, 
as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So here's another thing he's grateful for, the fruitfulness and increase of the gospel. Okay, so we've got this idea now, a bit of a glimpse at this mature, grateful praying, and we're contrasting it with our praying. So thank you for this food, blessed to the nourishment of our bodies. Thank you that these people I'm ministering to are believing in Jesus Christ. Thank you that they have hope laid up for them in heaven. Thank you that they have growing love for all the saints. Thank you that the gospel is bearing fruit and is increasing and moving forward. I think that we sometimes get stuck in our maturity, in our prayers, and we, we stay on sort of a child level in our praying and our gratitude toward God. You know, a child is thankful to his parents for the thing right in front of them. Like, they, thank you for this toy you just gave me for my birthday. Thank you for this snack. Thank you for this candy. They're thankful for the tangible thing right in front of them. But as a child grows up, one would expect their gratitude to begin to mature also and for the breadth and depth of things that they're grateful for to increase. I know when I was a child... My dad was home during the summers. He was a school teacher. He taught drafting at Independence High School all through my childhood. And so in the summers, he was home with me and my brother. And one of the things that he felt was important was to teach us a good work ethic. And so he would practically invent work that didn't even need to be done, I think, so that every morning he could have us work first before we played, so that he could teach us, you do your work first, and when that's all done, then you play. So we, he had us dig out the basement with picks and shovels and wheelbarrows for our house. I don't know that we even needed much of a basement, really. We just parked our mower under there. I think it was more about you need to learn how to do hard work. Now, if my brother were here, he's five years older than me, he would be very quick to make sure you all knew that he did most of that. And that's true. I was very little during these years, so he did do most of that. I'll give him that credit. Now, when I was a kid, I, would, I wasn't thankful for this. I never thanked my dad for this. Because what was immediately in front of me was hot, sweaty, inconvenient work. And I wanted to be inside watching TV or playing video games or something. So I wasn't thankful for that then. But now I'm more mature. I'm not a little kid anymore. And I recognize that was a huge blessing. That I just didn't see it when I was a kid because I hadn't matured enough to see it. It's the same way spiritually. There are blessings that our Father is heaping upon us that you might not realize when you first become a Christian. When you first become a Christian, your prayers of gratitude will probably stay with the daily bread type blessings. Now, I'm not saying that you should get rid of those prayers of gratitude. Keep all those. Pray before when your hot plate is in front of you today for lunch and you... You bow your head and the steam is coming up on your face and you smell that food. Absolutely, thank God for that blessing. What I'm saying is, let's not get stuck at that level. There is a a depth of blessings that, that are available to us to fuel our prayers that we can be grateful for far beyond that, that have to do with the advance of the gospel, what God is doing among you in you, what he's doing in the people you care about and are ministering to. There's a lot to be grateful for. And if your prayers have lacked content, 
maybe start looking there. Well, what are some of the deeper blessings that I see around me and in the people I care about that I just haven't thanked God for? And spend some time thanking him for those things. Now, you might be thinking, well, this is the Apostle Paul, so of course he prays like this. This is all he thought about all day long, and he was a super-duper saint. I'm just regular old me. I'm just retired, or I just, you know, I just go work my job and take care of my family. I just, I'm a regular Christian. Well, two things to that. First, Paul wasn't so super duper great. He was just the guy that God used in this way, but he was a man just like any of us. So don't, don't put him up here as if he was superhuman. He was just human, human. And don't sell yourself short. As he says right here, Christians are to be thought of as saints, all Christians. If you have been forgiven by Jesus Christ and reconciled to God, you have been set apart and are now given a holy and glorious calling as a saint to be a part of his work in the world. So you are with Paul, swept up into this glorious thing that God is doing. And if you'll look around through that lens, you will see his blessings all over the place. And there's much to be grateful for, much fuel for our praying. Now, you may also think, as you hear me preach this, that seems like it should feel true to me, but it just doesn't. I feel detached from that. Uh, My day-to-day life is about busy grunt work and trying to keep up with the demands. Well, this gets to my, my second observation. So the first one was, we can thank God for deeper blessings The second observation is very much like it. We can ask God for deeper results. We can ask God for deeper results than what we often ask for. We can ask God for deeper blessings than what we often ask Him for. So he proceeds on into the next paragraph. We'll read the first part of verse 9. So he talks about his gratitude for what God is up to here. Verse 9, And so... From the day we heard about their faith and their growth in the gospel, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking, dot, dot, dot. Before we look at what he asks, bring your prayers up on the screen in your mind again. Think about your praying lately. What have you been asking God for? What have you been asking God for? And bring that to mind, and then let's look at what Paul was asking God for. So, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Man, that's, that's something to ask God for. That you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Man, that's, that, those are glorious things to be interacting with the God of the universe about. 
often in my praying, I'll confess for me, even though I suspect you too, many of you at least, I stay so shallow. I'm in my shallow little area of concern. You know, get me past this thing I'm anxious about. Provide for this thing I need. Help me know what to say in this little conversation. And these are good prayers. We need to pray this way. But then when I overhear Paul praying like this, and I'm over here in the kiddie pool of prayer, and I overhear Paul praying, I look over and he's diving off the diving board into the Olympic deep end of prayer. And I realize there's so much more available to me than only this. Again, these are not bad things to pray, but it's not the only thing that we can talk to God about in prayer. There are depths of glory here. We have access through Jesus Christ to the throne of the God of the universe, and we can come boldly before him as his sons. That's amazing. I can't even begin to wrap my mind around this. But it's true. It reminds me of a story that my pastor growing up, Barry Bird was his name, at Trinity Baptist Church. remember him telling this story. I don't know if it was true or not. It probably wasn't true. It was probably a made-up sermon illustration. But he told the story of a, a poor gentleman who won a raffle to get to go on a luxury cruise for a week. He had never been on anything like that before. And he was very excited, but he knew that he had no spending money whatsoever for souvenirs or food or excursions of any sort. He was just grateful that he got to go and be on the boat. So the day before the trip, he packed his suitcase, and there was just just one change of clothes so that he could leave the rest of that room for a bunch of peanut butter sandwiches because he knew he wasn't going to be able to afford the fancy food on the ship. So he spent the whole day prior making these peanut butter sandwiches, packaging them up individually, trying to make sure he had enough to get them through the whole week so that he could go on this trip of his. And so he went, he lugged his suitcase along with him and set it up in his room, enjoyed the ship. Every mealtime, three times a day, he would come back to his room and eat one of his peanut butter sandwiches. As the week got on, he realized he didn't bring enough, and he started to run out, and he had two days left, and he ran out of his peanut butter sandwiches. And he thought, well, maybe I can make it. Maybe I can just make it. And so he just, you know made it through a couple hours. I don't know if you've gone even a couple hours knowing that there's no food on the horizon, but your stomach starts growling. Stomach felt empty, growling, started to feel sick. So as much as he hated, he went to the dining hall and he went to the host there and he explained his situation. And he said, I am really sorry to have to ask this, but I ran out of food and I'm just wondering, maybe Maybe there's something old from yesterday or something you can't serve. Is there anything that you have that I can eat for free because I can't afford it? And the host looked at his ticket and said, you have had access to this whole buffet all week. It was included in your ticket for the cruise. And the guy just didn't know that. He didn't understand. He had access to the buffet of steak and lobster and rolls and desserts and salads and soups. And so he was sitting in this dark little room eating peanut butter sandwiches. And he was missing this the whole time. And I think this is sort of the way we are with prayer sometimes. We toss up little peanut butter sandwich prayers. 
not realizing that we have this whole buffet of glories that we're involved in that we can ask God for. We can ask God not just to change the situation that's making life a little painful for us. We can ask God to harness that situation to bring about eternally significant growth in us, in other people. We can ask God to wield our lives for the gospel that will make a difference for all eternity. Instead of trying to pray our relatives and loved ones out of temporary discomfort, we can pray them out of hell into heaven. But we forget. Forget that we can ask for deeper blessings, deeper results. I heard a missionary once talking about our prayer problem in the American church. I think we do have a prayer problem in the American church from what I understand. He had spent years on the mission field, pioneer missions. So this is, think of jungles, think of uh, you know, out where they have not heard anything about Jesus Christ at all. That's where he had spent years of his life. And then he came back to the United States and he was visiting churches and he was experiencing American church prayer meetings. And he just couldn't believe his ears, what he was hearing. He was used to prayers like what Paul was praying. People praying for the supernatural stuff that only God can do to advance the gospel. Praying for things that only Christians care about. And he was coming back into these American churches, and the prayer meetings were filled with concerns that non-Christians cared about. Concerns that didn't really require the supernatural activity of God. And he said, really, American prayer meetings were more like town hall meetings, where people just gave updates on what was going on, family members, you know, my aunt Susie stubbed her toe three weeks ago, but she's getting around a lot better. Now, of course, we should pray for Aunt Susie and her hurt toe. We can pray about everything. But we don't need to get stuck there and stay there and only be there. Now, you might be thinking, well, wait, actually, I almost forgot. I have a, I came across a good diagnostic question for us here. So as we're thinking about how deep are my prayers, here's a good question for us to ask ourselves. If God answered every one of your prayer requests for the last year, so thinking back to things you prayed about over the last year, if he answered every single one, what would be changed in your life and in this world? If he answered every prayer you prayed over the last 12 months, what would be different? Would anybody be saved? Would the gospel have advanced into new territories? Would anyone have grown? Would anyone have been freed from sin? Now, I hope we're thinking, yes, there is some of that. Thank God I have prayed for some of that. My fear is that many of our prayers, if God had answered yes to everything, if every prayer we sent up, yep, I'll do it. You got it. Whatever you say. Is that what would result is that we would be really, really comfortable in this world. No closer to God, having done no further work to advance the gospel. We can ask for deeper things than that. Now, what I was going to say earlier, you might be thinking, I don't really have the vocabulary to pray like this. I'm not a super saint like Paul. I'm not a theologian. I didn't go to seminary. Well, this gets to my third and last observation. So we can thank God for deeper blessings than we often do. We can ask God for deeper results than we often do. And finally, we can pray in light of deeper truths than we often do. 
We can pray in light of deeper truths than we often do. I think shallow praying comes from a shallow grasp of the truth of God as revealed in Scripture. Deep praying comes from a deep grasp of God's truth as revealed in Scripture. Look at a little bit of what was on Paul's mind as he thought about his prayers, continuing on in what we've been reading in verse 13. He's been basically praying and writing, and then in verse 13 he says, Jesus has delivered us from the domain, the, the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do we go that deep in our thinking as we're approaching prayer? Or do we stay up here about circumstances that we wish were different? It goes on, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. How might our prayer lives be transformed if we meditated on truths like this and our minds were transformed by truths like this? He goes on in verse 16, For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. What might be different if we let our minds marinate in this truth of Scripture? How might our praying be enhanced and deepened? The kids and I found a book at the beach house we were staying at this week on how to build sandcastles. Anybody really good at sandcastles in here? Zero people. Anybody try to build sandcastles sometimes when they're at the beach? A lot of folks. Okay. I have sometimes grand aspirations toward sandcastle building, but when I actually get into it, it doesn't ever go according to my design in my head. So Lillian and Elias and I looked at this book about how to build sandcastles, and the first half of the book was dedicated to building the foundation for the sandcastle. I always thought you got your your mold, you know, your castle mold, plastic bucket full of sand, you plopped it where you wanted it, and you built it up like that. But the really good builders know that, no, your first step is the hard, unglamorous work of gathering up a lot of sand, getting it really, really wet. It's got to, You can't make it too wet. Uh, like, it's impossible to be too wet. It, lots of water, and pack it in really tight until you have this really firm mound of sand. Then you can start building your sandcastle. You sort of carve it out of that. That's what the pros do. This is sort of the way deep praying works. We can't go from a week of, of grocery lists and Netflix level thinking into Paul depths of prayer. We have no content in our mind to do it. We have to gather Scripture. We have to gather Scripture into our minds, into our thinking, into our worldview, into our hearts, and pack it into place. And from that, we carve out deep praying. But don't ever expect a deep prayer life if you're not deeply in God's Word. We have to remember that it's a conversation, and God initiates. He speaks to us here. And in prayer, we respond. And that's the path toward depth. It's a conversation with the God of the universe that he began. Often, I think, in our prayers, we treat it like Twitter, where we just throw out, with, with no context of what God has said to us whatsoever, uh, I need this. Oh, pretty sunset. Give me that. These little, little statements thrown out. 
And God's sitting there thinking, I have this open pipeline of my communication to you. I want to start the conversation with you. I've got it all here for you. Respond to what you see here. Pray through this. Ian Bounds, I got this little book that my youth pastor gave me long ago called Power Through Prayer by Ian Bounds. a great book. It has this quote, The Word of God is the food by which prayer is nourished and made strong. The Word of God is the food by which prayer is nourished and made strong. Our prayer lives will always be anemic and weak, or to use the sandcastle idea, they'll be dry and crumbly stuff unless we're rooted in God's Word. So if we want to go spelunking into prayer, that's when you go exploring caves. We need to follow Martin Luther's advice. This has been a very Martin Luther-centric Sunday. I, I came up with this before I even realized that we had a Martin Luther quote in our bulletin, and we were uh, singing that first song. Martin Luther, he was a great reformer. He's kind of like Paul, but he, again, was just a guy, and he had to go to the barber. So he had to go to the barber just like any of we do, like Scott might need to do later this afternoon. Um, and his barber knew that Martin Luther was this great reformer, and his barber needed help with his prayer life. And he said, you know, Martin Luther, would you please give me some advice? I'm a simple man. Would you give me some simple advice so that I can deepen my prayer life? And Martin Luther thought about it and actually wrote him a letter that survived. And so we have his advice to his barber. So we'll all play the part of Martin Luther's barber and receive this advice. And he said, this has helped me. I come to prayer, and I think of it like making a garland. Now, we don't use garlands, but it's almost like a wreath that you would wear. Okay, so just imagine that you would want a garland. And he says, there's four strands to this garland that I attach, and this helps me to pray. So the first garland is teaching. So I open up God's Word, and I read and I study until I have something clear in front of me that I understand from God's Word. And the first garland of prayer is just me trying to listen and receive what God has said in His Word. What is this saying to me? What is this teaching to me? The second garland that I tie to that is thanksgiving. What is there to be grateful for in relation to what I have read here? The third garland is that of repentance. What do I need to come before God and ask for forgiveness and help in changing related to what I see here in this passage? And then the fourth garland is petition. That's where you ask for the things you need. What do I need from God in order to live in light of the truth that I've seen here? So if you'll make that four-part garland every day, he actually recommended to his barber twice a day, mornings and evenings, you'll be on your way to a deep into prayer life. But it starts with the Word. That's the content for it. Now, that might be helpful advice to you. I tried to follow that advice this week. I was at the end of Colossians, and part of my reading was, it's not projected, but I'll read it to you, is in Colossians 4, verse 3, where Paul says, Pray for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So that was my, my bit. Just that one verse, really, for that day was just all I could handle. A cup of coffee out in my chair, read that verse, and thought, okay, I'm going to try to follow Martin Luther's advice. So first, just what is it saying? 
Well, for one thing, it's saying that even the great apostle Paul had to depend on people praying for him to open up doors for evangelism, for the gospel. He's saying this is how doors for evangelism open, as if God opens them. So we need to pray for that. What's something I can be grateful for? Well, thank you, God, that's, that someone gave me the gospel, that I am a Christian. Thank you that that door opened up. Thank you that you have placed me in a social setting around people who need the gospel so that maybe I can be watchful for a door to open up. Thank you that I know so many Christians that I can pray for, for the door to open up. The third strand of the garland, repentance. Father, forgive me for my apathy about this, about communicating your word. Forgive me for my fear of man where I don't want to speak up about Jesus for fear of looking foolish or saying the wrong thing. And then the fourth strand of petition. Father, would you open up a door for the word for me this week? Would you open up a door for the word for my brothers and sisters in Christ that I know are with unbelievers this week? Now, it was a much longer process, but that was basically how it went. And I, and the only reason I bring it up is because this is one of those occasions where God did answer the prayer relatively soon. In a couple of days, He did um, open up a door through, through uh, an avenue where someone just asked point blank, why'd you become a pastor? And man, there's, that's a direct path to the gospel for me. And, and, uh, Meredith was with me too. And we just, we got to talk about the gospel. And that was a door that may not have opened up had we not been praying that way. I may not have been, even been thinking about that. I might have been praying for clear weather so we could enjoy the beach. Again, it's fine to pray that. But what a tragedy if that's all I had prayed for and all I had experienced was sunny days at the beach and not this opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. So, we can thank God for deeper blessings. We can ask God for deeper results. We can pray in light of deeper truths. These are things available to you. Let's go from here in deepened prayer. Now, I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to close my sermon with a poem uh, in seminary. That was always the stereotypical thing. Don't just give three points in a poem. That's lazy preaching. Well, here's a poem anyway. It's old-timey language, but stick with it. There is a place where thou canst touch the eyes of the blinded men to instant perfect sight. There is a place where thou canst say, Arise to dying captives bound in chains of night. There is a place where thou canst reach the shore of hoarded gold and free it for the Lord. There is a place upon some distant shore where thou canst send the worker and the word. Where is that secret place? Does thou ask where, O soul? It is the secret place of prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us of the depths available to us in prayer. Now, please help us to pray like this. Help us to mature. Help us to grow in how we converse with you in prayer. And we, we recognize that this is a gift from you. And we just ask for it. Ask that we would experience it even today, that you would show us a time, a place that we can slip away and have a season of prayer with you in Jesus' name. Amen.